0: If you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 146. We'll look at that this morning. The text is also in the bulletin on the next page. Uh, we are getting pretty close here to the end of our series going through the Psalms. Really just uh, next week is our last looking at the Psalms. Um, we've been in the Psalms for a little over a year. Maybe it seems like longer for some of you. Uh <clears throat> We've looked at almost a third of the psalms. I feel bad every time we skip something. Uh, I think I probably should have made room for that in the schedule. Uh, But no, we uh, have skipped about two-thirds of the psalms. And so um, we are getting to the end of those. A huge theme running throughout the the whole book of psalms, through all of them, a huge theme is the kingship of God, the fact that God is king and what his kingdom is like, uh, especially over and against other kingdoms. The kingship of God's Messiah, his anointed one, uh, the Christ, the, the, the human being who is anointed with God's own Holy Spirit and is God's human king and perfect representative. Um, so the kingship of God is this huge theme. The Psalms are, in large part, the songs of the king. They're often referred to as the Psalms of David. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of God's people. Sort of that that uh, foreshadowing or that prototype of the Lord Jesus. So the Psalms are uh, the songs of the King. They're songs on the lips of the King. They're songs about our King and about His rule. They're songs for our life with this King as part of His kingdom. That's uh, it's a big thing throughout the Psalms. Here in Psalm 146, we have the Lord contrasted with earthly rulers. Earthly lords have earthly concerns, they have earthly plans, they wield earthly powers, and they meet earthly ends. Our Lord's plans and power and destiny are so utterly different that he says his kingdom is nothing like the kingdoms of this world, is not like the other kingdoms of this world. Nevertheless, he is the only true king of the whole world. The whole world. He's not just my king, he is the king. He's not just our king, he is the king. And he rules forever. And as such, he's the only king worthy of our trust, really, and our praise. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning from Psalm 146. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll read the scripture. <clears throat> Father, we pray that uh, every little bit of your word would make sense to us would come alive to us through the power of your spirit that you would change us from the inside out as we hear your word as we consider it especially as we hear that word of the gospel of Jesus Christ we pray that Jesus again would be real to us as the true king not just our king but the king of all the earth we pray this in his name amen Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down, The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we are emerging from another election season. Uh, We're pretty much already cycling up again for the next big one. It's not like anybody's getting a break here. But um, people have a lot riding on this stuff. I mean, it's the biggest thing going on. It's the biggest thing in the news. It's the biggest part of everybody's conversations, right? The elections. Whatever kind of government you have, whether you've got elected officials like we do, or you've got hereditary monarchs, somebody's the king, or somebody's a noble just by birth, they're the next in, in the line of succession, or you've got coup leaders, you know, people who, by military strength, overthrow the existing government and make big changes, bring in their regime. Whatever kind of government you have, there are always these very important people, these very influential people, in power, and the people of the land can place a lot of hope in them or can become despairing and afraid or violently angry because of them. Politics is a passionate business. We have a lot invested, don't we? Governments of nations and states and cities are human beings who are trying, best they can, to fix what is broken in the world. That's really what it boils down to. The government, whatever kind of government you have, local, national, it's human beings trying to fix what's broken in the world. Politicians, especially in our country or in systems like ours, politicians present a vision for what's wrong with the world. Usually you hear a lot about those people over there being the big part of the problem, right? But they cast a vision for what's wrong with the world, and then they try to sell themselves as having the best plan for making things right in the world. And they look to exercise the power that is um, available to them, the power that is available to them to change the world. They want that, and they want to exercise it. The problem is that ultimately speaking, earthly governments are themselves broken tools to fix what is wrong. Because earthly governments are full of sinners, inescapably so. And unless you're listening to what God says in His special revelation in the Holy Scriptures, unless you're listening to what He says, Is actually wrong with the world, then you're not really going to know what makes for true restoration, and you're never going to exercise true power, not God's power, not God's way of changing the world. The only Lord who knows what is wrong with the world, who sees how to fix it, who has the right kind of power to fix it, is God Himself in the flesh. The crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ. So it says in verses 3 and 4, put not your trust in princes. This could be translated nobles, right? Just very important people, in, uh, especially in government places. Put not your trust, or don't find your security in, don't put a lot of stock in, don't find your greatest hope in princes, in a son of man, son of Adam. Uh, Adam, that, that word is closely related to the word for earth, right? So don't put your trust in an earthling in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. So don't get your hopes up when your candidate gets into office. Don't invest everything you've got in that particular candidate getting into office. Don't get super excited when he does. Or conversely, don't freak out when the other party wins the vote this time. Or don't go, grow confident because of the mili- military strength of the coup leader. Or don't feel secure because of your relationship with the global superpower. These leaders might have some worldly version of power. Based... Uh, On the ability, really, to force others to do what they want. That's what the power of the state is. The ability to control violence. Control the use of force in a particular place. And to exercise it. Uh, But there's no salvation there. There's no salvation in them. And that's the key right there. Uh, What's really wrong with the world... What can governments not even begin to fix? What do governments not even care about addressing, really? And governments actually have opposed? Um, What uh, what, what can truly change the world? The problem here, the real problem, the Scriptures tell us, is sin. And our broken relationship with God. If everyone were living in a perfect relationship with God, according to His Word then there would be nothing at all wrong with the world. Nothing at all wrong with our relationships with each other. And everything is wrong, uh, everything wrong with how human beings live and interact with one another in the world is directly due to our sin and our broken relationship with God. That's the main problem. The main problem in the world isn't even how those people treat me and how I treat you or them, The main problem is my relationship with God and your relationship with God and the fact that that's broken because of our sin. We need that relationship restored and we need our sins forgiven. We need reconciliation with God. We need real reconciliation with God and with one another. We need to learn how to live together according to God's word in the peace and the righteousness of God's kingdom. That is to say, we need salvation. That's the way the scriptures put it. We need salvation. And there's only one Lord in whom there actually is salvation the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, who brings reconciliation between God and all peoples, all kinds of people. He's the Son of Man. He is, a, he is a human being. He comes from the earth. You could say he's an earthling, but he's also from heaven because he's the Son of God. And he has united heaven and earth in his sacrifice And when he breathed his last there on the cross, and when he gave up his spirit, his plans didn't perish. That's when they came to fruition. Because his plans were to give himself for the salvation of his people to reconcile them to God. Those were the plans of our king, and they came to fruition at his death. And he didn't return to the earth just to rot. He was raised from the dead, never to die again. Raised all the way to God's right hand, far above all the heavens, where he exercises all true authority in heaven and on earth for the good of his people forever. No earthly ruler can, can even begin to match that. No earthly ruler can reconcile you to God. No earthly government is even interested in reconciling you to God. Earthly politics is just a big game of king of the mountain. It's that, that child's game where you try to get to the top and stay at the top and be the only one at the top. Earthly politics is is just that. It's a mad scramble to win and to dominate and a fight to stay at the top as long as possible before the end. In that scheme, you are just being used by those who are above you. And when it suits their purposes for self-advancement, they will abandon you or turn against you. That's what happens. And it's really too bad for you if you have nothing to offer, if you have no voice, if you have no way to resist oppression, if you have no resources to pursue real justice. Too bad for you. That's just how things work in this world. But it shouldn't surprise anyone because that's that's what we would all do. If we were able to successfully play king of the mountain and be at the top, Jesus exposes this even among his own disciples when he has to address them multiple times, multiple times, because they're all jockeying for positions of power over and against each other. These are their good friends, their brothers. <clears throat> he says in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, you know. That those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, rulers of the nations, earthly rulers, lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. You get the picture that's over and against. But it shall not be so among you, Jesus said, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's saying that while everyone in earthly politics was playing the game uh, of King of the Mountain, trying to grab as big a piece of the pie as they could for themselves, trying to make all others to serve them, While all this is happening, the true king came to serve others and to give himself for them. This is a big part of why Jesus told that earthly ruler, Pontius Pilate, in John's gospel, chapter 18. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. In the interests of self-protection... I would have had the people below me give their lives for me if my kingdom were of this world. But my kingdom is not from this world. The kingdoms of this world, they use force, they use violence to advance their own interests. Those with earthly power will say to the people, your life for my good. Jesus' kingdom is different because the king himself says, my life for your good. My life for your good. He stood before Pilate and he made it clear my kingdom is not like any other in the world. I'm not here to rise to power in your government. I could have taken it over if I wanted to. I'm not here to, to lead a coup against you, to supplant you. I am not here to do what you are trying to do in the way that you are trying to do it. None of it. Jesus showed the power of his kingdom. As he allowed Pilate to crucify him, even though he was innocent, even though it was a great injustice, he allowed it to happen. And make no mistake, that's exactly what he did. He allowed it. He wasn't powerless before Pilate, he allowed it to happen. Do you remember what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? He was not surprised when the soldiers came looking for him, he wasn't taken off guard. The servants of the earthly rulers came to arrest him, and all he said was, I am. Uh, Identifying himself as God in the flesh, using the language that God uses of himself, that self-identification, I am. That's all he said, and the whole band of soldiers fell down, unable to stand before him. The whole band of Roman soldiers, just because he said, I am. Could Jesus have taken the the whole Roman Empire by force? If he wanted to. If that was his plan. If that was how his kingdom worked. Yeah, he could have done it with a mere word. The whole Roman Empire. He could have done it immediately. But instead he said, he actually said this, I could appeal to my father who would send me more than 12 legions of angels in an instant But here I am, take me into custody, take me to my cross. He allowed it to happen. Do you understand? Do you understand that this was a demonstration of his true authority? This wasn't him setting aside power. This is what his power really looks like. He said in John 10, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. What looks like somebody taking my life away from me is my authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. His kingly power, the power of the true king, is to give his life for his people. When you see someone hanging on a cross, stripped naked with nails through his hands and feet, dying, Miserably, When you see him on the cross, you think there is someone who is weak, who has had all of his power stripped away from him. But Jesus didn't have his power taken away from him at the cross. He rose to the full heights of his power at the cross when he was lifted up. He was the king on the cross. He was the king precisely at the moment when All earthly rulers would say he's a nobody. He lost. His kingdom is not like the kingdoms of this world. And that should be an indicator to you that maybe you should not expect his kingdom to materialize in the powers of earthly governments. Maybe you should not expect his kingdom even to be recognized by the governments of this world. Maybe you should expect that as it did in his time and for him, that earthly governments would oppose his kingship. You should expect that. Leslie Newbigin says, this is a quote that's on the front of the bulletin. He says, when the church tries to embody the rule of God, the kingdom of God, when we try to embody that in the forms of earthly power, It may achieve that power, but it is no longer a sign of his kingdom. Trying to rise to power, to influence earthly governments, trying to wield their kind of power, to to wield their coercive, violent power. Trying to do what they are trying to do politically is not what Jesus came to do, and it's not how his kingdom works. He came to reconcile people to God. And he came to reconcile us to each other. And he did that in his cross. By laying down his own life to bring enemies together. We were God's enemies. We were enemies with one another. And he's brought us together. That's the power of his kingship. He had the power to do that. And then to take up his life again. Forever. For his people. Particularly for those who do not deserve his favor. That's, that's all of us. Or who have nothing to offer him in return. That's, that's all of us again. It uh, <clears throat> says, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So he allows himself to go by this name. We don't think about it very much when it says, says it throughout the scriptures. He's the God of Jacob. Right? The Lord is the God of Jacob. He allows himself to be identified with his people to the deg- degree where his name, it's like he takes their name as his name. I'm the God of Jacob, of that one. Jacob was the second born. So in the world's schemes, uh, not the one that you would expect uh, to be made a big deal about. Right? The first born is the one who's the great one and has the inheritance and all this stuff. <clears throat> he was the second born. His name means he cheats. And he cheated his brother out of his birthright and he conned his father into giving him the blessing that was due to his brother. And Jacob is the guy, when he saw his brother approaching with his army, was so afraid of him that he stuck his children out in front, sort of like a human shield, in order to appeal to his brother's compassion. That's Jacob. He's not exactly a model citizen. But the Lord is willing to be known as his God. His king. This king forgives and blesses the least likely people, those who are useless, who have no value to earthly rulers, have nothing to offer society, those who are a burden on society, those who are helpless. They find blessing in the Lord's kingdom. Starting in verse 7, he executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners, the the refugees. He upholds the widow. Think of like a single mom. The fatherless, the orphans. The Gospels say that Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And and He said He was here to do things just like this. We heard that in our Gospel reading this morning. He was here to do things just like this. And then He went and did them. And He showed His care for the outcast, for the downtrodden, for the forsaken, for the oppressed, for the lame, for the helpless, just for the hungry took care of them all and he's able to watch over them and care for them and to give himself for them because he lives forever because he lives forever his resources are inexhaustible his spirit will never be depleted he's never going to run out of the ability come to the end of his ability to show care for all of his people earthly rulers can't give to their people without first taking from their people. Only Jesus, who is the Word of God incarnate, the one by whom the heavens and the earth were created from nothing, who has the power to do that, can give himself infinitely and abundantly and eternally to provide everything that his people need for their good, always. Verse 10, the Lord will reign forever. So we're in the 2020th year, basically, of our Lord's reign. Jesus has been ruling all this time. Whether the kingdoms of this world would recognize His lordship or not, whether they'd oppose Him or not, it's irrelevant to Him. He's been ruling all this time. The one who has authority to give himself, that's what his authority really looks like, he now has universal authority to continue giving himself, to give his body. To give his body. And that means us. He has the the authority to lay down his body, his church, his people. We live as citizens and agents Of his kingdom, exercising his power in the world as we give of ourselves and give of our resources for the ministry of reconciliation, to bring people to God and and reconcile to one another. We live as his kingdom. We live as a kingdom of priests, it's called in the scriptures, as we carry the good news of his kingdom, the salvation that's found in Jesus Christ alone to those who don't deserve his favor to society's rejects, to the helpless, to the hungry. We testify to his kingdom by actually literally testifying with the words of our mouths to his kingdom by proclaiming the crucified and risen Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we also bear witness to his kingdom as we lay down our lives for others, as we give of our time and our money and service to those who have nothing to offer us who might have no value in the world's sight because this is the way of our king who reigns forever and king Jesus is just getting settled in after 2000 years he's just getting settled in He is unimpeachable he is unhurried he's not stressed out His kingdom is never threatened by what our governments are doing and what laws they adopt or what laws they reject. He does not act from the pressure to keep everyone happy. He doesn't flip-flop and go back on his word. He keeps faith forever. He has all wisdom and he will execute all justice in the most wondrous ways and in his own timing. So don't trust in princes in whom there's no salvation. Don't be overly impressed by them. Don't be terrified by them. Don't look to them to meet your ultimate needs in life or to change the world in the ways that we all need most. The crucified Lord Jesus Christ might not seem like a big deal until you know that he is risen and he will reign forever. Trust Him and praise Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Your Son came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He's the King Himself, come in the flesh to make known to us what Your kingdom is like and what You are like as the King. We pray that a vision of Jesus would fill our hearts and minds always, when we think of um, what's wrong in the world really needs to be fixed, when we think of the ways that we are to serve you in this world and the power that we have to change the world and what what that all would look like, we pray that your kingdom, in all of its uh, strangeness, in all of its otherworldliness, we pray that your kingdom would um, go forward through us, in us and through us, That just as Jesus laid down his life for the good of his people, uh, we would follow in his steps and lay down our lives for the good of our neighbors, even for the good of our enemies, in order to see people reconciled to you and to one another in the church. We pray for your help because it is hard to live this way, to live in your kingdom in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. We get confused, we get lost. We're not sure how to proceed. We pray that you would keep your word before us and uh, fill us with your spirit so that we might follow our King everywhere we go. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.